Okay. So, so far, what we've learned in the Mimer is that the common denominator between Purim and Yom Kippur is that both of them have lotteries and both of them are connected to a revelation of godliness that is beyond the spiritual cosmos. And they have lotteries. Yom Kippur has the lottery of the two goats and Purim has the lottery of Haman. And Yom Kippur is atonement before Hashem, which we learned means higher than the name you give of and to Purim, we don't find Hashem's name mentioned in the Megillah, also because it's a name, it's a revelation higher than you'd give up. What we added yesterday was, was that Purim, and Yom Kippur, Purim is a day of atonement. Yom Kippurim means a day of atonement, and also means a day like Purim in the sense that the atonement that's achieved on Yom Kippur pales in comparison to the atonement that is that happens on Purim. Purim is a day of a kapara as well. And we learned a couple of, of uh, advantages that Purim has over Yom Kippur yesterday. That Yom Purim causes an atonement even without Teshuvah, and Purim's day of joy, and Purim causes atonement for those things that Yom Kippur doesn't atone for. Um, so Yom Kippur is a day which is a day, Yom Kippurim means a day of atonement and also means a day like Purim. How is it like Purim? It's only similar to Purim because Purim has even greater power of atonement. That's what we learned yesterday. And now we're up to uh, page, up to Ois Hay. According to what we learned till now. That the meaning of Purim is lottery. And when the reason why the word lottery is special and significant is because, just like by a human being, a lottery is what's used to determine what you should think and what you should even want, so too the level of godliness, which is a source of the atonement to the Jewish people, is called lottery. It's higher than the will of Hashem. The will of Hashem is expressed in the mitzvahs of Hashem. What's unique about Purim is it's a day of the lottery, it's a day of, the, of revelation of Baal Haratzin, of the source of Hashem's desire, it's revelation, which is higher than the level of Terah Mitzvahs. It is an expression of the bond of a Jew and Hashem, which, which is deeper than the, uh, than the mitzvahs. Of course, uh, you have to emphasize how in this world, the only way we can connect to Hashem is to their mitzvahs. It's only that if we don't do a mitzvah, we're still bothered by that. It bothers us if we didn't do a mitzvah because there, there's a deeper connection we have to Hashem beyond mitzvahs. And that's why it bothers us when we, when we disconnect externally with Hashem. So that's why Purim is a day of atonement because that's the day of the lottery, the day, it's the day of revelation of a, of godliness that emanates from something which is higher than desire. The word lottery is a term that we're using to describe this level. Because just like we use a lottery to decide what, we, what we're going to do, so to this level is higher than the desire of Hashem, higher than the source of mitzvahs. And that's why it could atone for mitzvahs. Through this revelation, all negative, negative things are forgiven, are atoned for. 
so if that's true, my what was then the thought of Haman, who wanted to destroy the Jewish people, to make this lottery? If the point, if what's what's great about this lottery is that lottery is a revelation of the um, the connection of the Jewish people and Hashem, which is beyond mitzvahs, how nothing can separate us and Hashem. Even if we did the wrong thing, there is still something that's there. If that's true, then why is it that Haman wanted to accuse the Jewish people? Why would he make a lottery? Now, I know your obvious answer. Your obvious answer is because how in the world would Haman know level of lottery? He just wanted to find a day to destroy the Jewish people. So, let me say this. There is a, um, there was a chassid of the Alter Rebbe who became a chassid of the Alter Rebbe because he attended a mimer of the Alter Rebbe. And the mimer was actually also a Purim mimer. And the mimer was about how Esther fell before the feet of Achashverosh. And the Alter Rebbe said, when, right in the beginning of the discourse, Esther falls at the feet of Achashverosh, the Alter Rebbe immediately asks, are there feet in heaven? Now, the usual way that this, this kind of discussion happens is that some is that whoever is the author of the teaching says, Achashverish, the Medrash says, is a parable for Hashem. Because the word Achashverish has two words in it, beginning and end. And Hashem is the one who is the beginning of creation. Hashem is the one that lasts to the end, lasts forever. And therefore, the Megillah says something physical about Achashverish, it also has a spiritual counterpart. And therefore, when it says that Esther fell before Achashverosh, it also means that, it means that the Jewish people who are represented by Esther fall before Hashem, who is called Achashverosh. And therefore, the question is, are there feet in heaven? What's the meaning of the feet by Achashverosh, by Hashem? But the Alter Rebbe doesn't do that. The Alter Rebbe, in that particular discourse, he begins right away with, are there feet in heaven? He doesn't go through that whole preamble, that whole intro of, of explaining that Whatever we learn in the Megillah has a spiritual counterpart, which tells you that the place of that discourse um, is higher than the uh, place where Torah interpretation usually comes from. Let me explain. The Shalah says the Torah talks about the spiritual and alludes to the physical. The main subject of the Torah, says the Shalah, is the spiritual. And there's an illusion, also a physical illusion too. That's just a remise. That's just an illusion. That's not the literal interpretation. That's not the main subject of Torah. Torah is spiritual and alludes to the physical counterpart as well that we can interpret for ourselves in a literal way. Or as the Arizal says on the words in our uh, benching and the words that we say after in the blessing after meals, we say, we thank you, God, for the land. And we also thank you, God, Al for your Torah, Shalima Tano that you that you have taught us. The Rizal says, for your Torah is referring to the world of Atsilus. Shalima Tano that you've taught to us that we can connect to your Torah. That's referring to the way the Torah is in, in a lower world in the world called Bria. So, the main subject then of the Torah is spiritual. There's also a physical counterpart as well, but the Torah is spiritual. So. All of the things we learn about in the Megillah aren't only a story of, of Haman and uh, and in this world. On the contrary, the main subject is 
the way they are in heaven. And the Haman in heaven is an accusing, is, is the Satan, is the, is the uh, who wants to destroy the Jewish people, who stands before God and says, destroy the Jewish people. Uh, one of the um, sentences that Haman says to Achashverosh about why he should destroy the Jewish people is very obvious how this is something that the Satan, the, the Satan, that the Eitzahara would say to God. He says, there is one nation that's, which is scattered among all nations. The Baal Shem Tev says, there's a nation whose essence is the oneness of God. That's who we are. And yet, we are separate from each other. And we don't do the laws of the king in that translation, the laws of the king and the laws of Hashem. So in the way, to the, the truest story of Purim, the way the Purim is in its divine source, we have the accusing angel, the Itzahara, the Satan, the Haman, who comes before God, and he makes a lottery. Why would the Satan want to make a lottery? On the contrary, the lottery is a good thing for us. The lottery is, is how we're connecting to Hashem, no matter what happens. So what, was his, what was his intent in making the lottery? Question number one. You see where we've gone? We began the mimer with asking, what's the point of naming our holiday after a lottery? The lottery is about Haman's evil decree. And now we've discovered that the word lottery means something which is very profound and very good. It's about our un, the unbreakable bond with Hashem. And therefore, our question is, why in the world would a Haman want that? If you look at the words that this mimer is based on, it says, therefore, these days are called Purim because of the lottery, the lottery. When the Torah uses the prefix, the, the word the before a word, the Torah is referring to the famous lottery, the lottery that was discussed immediately before this, the known lottery, the lottery of Hamma. The lottery that Haman made was something negative. So why is our holiday related to the lottery that he made? The lottery that he made is certainly a negative thing. We explained a, a spiritual counterpart to the lottery in heaven, but the lottery of, of Haman is certainly a negative thing. We'll see Mishim a little later uh, the answer to this question. But before. Let's first address the, the first question. Who is a beer bazet? Explanation goes like this. If you're looking from the perspective of the spiritual cosmos, from the value system, so to speak, that Hashem has, the way He filters His divine light to, to be sent to the world. So at that level, our deeds are important. If you're talking about the perspective of the divine source of creation, where our deeds matter, so then the domain nourishment to the world should go to the Jewish people, because the Jewish people do terimitsis. And even those who don't do terimitsis, and they're the opposite of tzaddikim, they're still full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. So if we're talking about the perspective of Hishtal Shlos, of the spiritual cosmos, 
We're talking about the perspective of the divine source of creation where our deeds can make an Im- impact. So then the main divine flow should go to the Jewish people. As the Pasuk says, look down from your holy abode, look down from heaven, and bless your people Israel. The word Shemayim, which means heaven, is related to the words Shemayim, which means there there's water. In the level of called Chachma, the first level of Atzilus, that's the level called water, because water is compared to Chachma. Water is compared to this first revelation of Galenus, and in the, the highest revelation in the world of Atzilus. So from the perspective of heaven, means from the perspective of Chachma, because Chachma and heaven are connected. Chachma is Shamayim, there there is Chachma, there there is water. So look, what do we say to God? Look down from your holy abode, look down from heaven and bless the Jewish people. If you will only look from heaven, you'll only look from the perspective of water, from the perspective of Ishtalshos, from the perspective of Chachma, from the perspective of where our deeds are important, then certainly we're going to win because we're full of mitzvahs, even if we're doing the wrong thing. But a Jewish, all Jews are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. So then your blessings will go to us. Despite all of the accusations he makes to Hashem about the Jewish people, there's still no comparison between him and the Jewish people, no matter how terrible he makes us look. We look, we still look beautiful compared to him. Therefore, there's no chance looking from the perspective of the spiritual cosmos, looking from the perspective of creation, there's no chance that if there's a court case between Haman, the Jewish people, that Haman would win. Even the lowest Jews are greater than Haman. So certainly Hashem will listen to us over Haman. If you're looking at it from the perspective of Ishtalshos, from, from the perspective of the spiritual cosmos, and that's why Haman came up with this lottery idea. The key since the perspective of above the spiritual cosmos, from the perspective of called lottery, at that level, our deeds aren't important, our deeds don't make a difference at that level. And everyone is equal at that level, because at that level, darkness is like light. So Haman's thought at that level, which is infinite, there is room that he may win from the perspective of logic. And he knows there's no chance he's going to win because we're better. From the perspective, however, of beyond logic, from the perspective of the infinite light of Hashem, there he thinks that there's room for him to win. It's kind of like the Medrash's interpretation of the creation of light and darkness. The Medrash says, God created light. The Medrash says, what does light mean? Light means the actions of the righteous. Then the Medrash says, God created darkness. What does that mean? That means the actions of the wicked. I don't know, says the Medrash, what God favors light or darkness. 
Now, what kind of question is that? From the perspective of logic, from a human perspective, obviously light is better than darkness. So what's the Medrash mean when it says, I don't know which is better? I don't know which is better means that from perspective of infinity, so light and darkness are all, are all nothing. They're all significant. Um, does it matter to you the conversation that uh, two koala bears are having in, in Australia? It doesn't matter. It's insignificant to you. In perspective of infinity, all of creation is like nothing. So Haman says, yes, it's true. From the perspective of logic, the Jewish people are better than better and they deserve Hashem's blessings. But what about from the perspective of infinity, from the perspective of lottery? There I have a chance. And therefore, there's a room that I may win. That's what Haman's intent was making the lottery. He wanted to, so to speak, roll the dice and ask Hashem, can you look at this from the, your infinity. What Rama didn't know was that, yes, if you're looking at it from a mathematical perspective, infinity, yes, infinity for infinity, everything is equal, and therefore there is, there is a chance that Hamaka win as well. As we say in our prayers uh, on, on Shabbos before Baruch Shammar, we say, Ki is kindness is everlasting. And there's 26 times we say those words because our 26 generations that were nourished just because of God's infinite kindness. He's infinitely kind, and therefore he nourishes, he gives life also to those things that go against Hashem's will. Because Hashem is infinite, and he's beyond all of uh, any mathematical, or any logical uh, kind of definition, so therefore, in the language of the Torah, which means it's possible to find cobwebs in a king's palace, because a king's palace is so vast, it's so big, so even though in your house, you say, if you find a cobweb, you take it away. But the king's palace, because it's such a big palace, so who cares if there's a little cobweb somewhere? So in a similar way, because the Abishur is infinite, so therefore it doesn't matter uh, the wrongdoing of, of uh, Haman, doesn't matter the wrongdoing of, of uh, there's, there's another perspective. Infinity doesn't, doesn't have, it's not closer to to the mitzvahs than it is to the Averis. And that doesn't favor mitzvahs more naturally than Averis. So that's, mathematically, that's true. Logically, that's true. Infinity doesn't favor light or darkness. But the Medish continues and says, in that Medish I quoted before, God says, I, he saw the light was good. Seeing the light was good means, as a Medish, God says, I like the actions of the righteous. Now, it sounds like, from the Medrash, that God rolled the dice, so to speak. It could go either way. And God decided he likes the actions of the righteous. It wasn't that it had to be that way. It was just arbitrary. He could have went either way. It's infinity. Infinity could go either way. But Hashem happened to choose, luckily for us, the actions of the righteous. But as we'll see in this mimer, it's not what it means. When we say that God chose the actions of the righteous, a choice is something that comes from your very core. There are decisions you make because of logic, and those decisions have a limit to how committed you are to those decisions. And there are decisions you make because your desire, and your desire also can change. But then there's a decision you make because of your very essence, and that's what the word choice means. The true meaning of choice is there are no external factors. There's nothing pulling you in either direction. And the only reason you're choosing is just because you are choosing. It comes from you. So it's not that Hashem happened to choose 
the actions of the righteous. That it's not just it was a weak choice. He had to choose something, so he chose that. When we say the word choice, that means that Hashem's very essence is connected to the actions of the righteous. Or in this scenario, Hashem's very essence says, I love Yaakov and I hate Esau. Yes, Esau and Yaakov are brothers. Yes, there's perspective that Esau is not better than Yaakov. There is a natural human perspective where you'd say Yaakov is far better than Esau. What are you talking about? There is also a higher perspective where Yaakov and Esau are brothers. But then there is God's very core who says, I choose to love Yaakov. And that is a choice from God's very essence. And it's not a, just a happen to choose one way or the other. It's, it's not the way Haman thought it was, that the things in, that God is just infinite. God, in his very essence, chooses the Jewish people. Let's continue on a few in, in more lines in Eisvah. We can connect this with what we have learned in another place about the word Achashvedesh. The word Achashvedish has two, two parts. It has, it has the word Chash in it, which Chash means silence. Chash is uh, something that is connected to someone who is very engrossed in thought and they can't express their, their thoughts because they're so into the world of thought. And uh, when we talk about Achashverosh being silent, that means we're talking about a level which is above expression. It, it's like you're trying to grasp something which is beyond your brain. And like Rabbi Akiva, for example, Akiva is trying to understand this Song of Songs. And it says when he heard these, these Song of Songs, he, he, he just cried. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't be satisfied with the wisdom of Song of Songs. It just, it just, he knew there's something there but it was, it was beyond Rabbi Akiva. He, he sensed the infinite wisdom of Song of Songs. So that's the meaning of silence. Talk about silence. Silence means a revelation of godliness, which is beyond, beyond uh, the um, expression. That's what chash means. What does the word rosh mean? Let's see. Uh, the silence called chash is above speech. It's similar to what the Gemara says, that one word is worth a coin, and silence is worth two coins. If you would pay a coin for a piece of wisdom for a word, you should pay two coins for silence, because silence is higher than wisdom, meaning, meaning that silence is... Why are you silent in this scenario? We're talking about a silence which comes from a appreciation for something which is very deep, and you can't you can't process it. Something which can't be expressed. That's what chash means, and that's. By the way, Randall Futafas used to say, "If mila b'sela shikah was today, if if a coin cost a dollar and silence costs costs two, you say three words, you made your money back already, and you earn more." So it's always better to speak. Remember what the Fas used to say: "You have an issue, always better to talk." Don't, 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 don't. Uh, it's actually an interesting letter the Rebbe that, that the Rebbe writes to somebody: "With silence and smiles, you can't accomplish anything." So, but in our mimer over here, what is silence? I mean, silence refers to a revelation of godliness, which is beyond revelation. Okay. The source of speech comes from wisdom. 
And silence comes from Keser, which is higher than wisdom. It says in the Gemara, a fence for wisdom is silence. The Gemara on the surface is just saying that, uh, that if we are silent, silence preserves our wisdom. So the preserve, preservation for wisdom is silence. That's the way you were able to achieve and, and learn a lot more. But it also means the fence for wisdom, what surrounds wisdom, what's beyond wisdom, is shtika, is silence, which is higher than chachm, higher than expression. I uh, just wanted to point out that source on the Torah for silence being chash, um, meaning silence, meaning this divine revelation, which is, or rather, this divine truth, which is higher than revelation, is from the prophecy of Ezekiel, of Yecheskel, who said that there were some angels called chashmal. What's chashmal mean? Chashmal means sometimes they are chash, sometimes they are silent, and sometimes they are mal, sometimes they are speaking. Some malachim which are like that, they're called the angels which are called chayis, are called chashma, because they're sometimes silent, sometimes they are speaking, which indicates they're sometimes in a state of revelation, sometimes higher than in revelation. Just like I mentioned earlier, that achashveresh means beginning and end. So on the surface, that's a reference for Hashem because Hashem existed at before all of creation. Hashem will in, exist and endure forever. But another reason why Achashverosh is a refer, reference to Hashem is because Hashem has no beginning and Hashem has no end. The infinite light of Hashem, which is beyond all of the spiritual cosmos, includes within it beginning and end. So Achashverosh is the level called Keser, the level which is transcendent and is referred to both by the word Chosh and by the whole, by the two parts of Acheris Veracious, beginning and end. Acheris is beyond uh, beginning or end and includes within him beginning or end. Acheris represents the Erasevikolomen, the light that transcends all worlds. worlds. So because Acheris is transcendent, therefore Haman thought, because I'm connecting to a level of Galnius which is infinite, so then there's no beginning, there's no end, there's no higher, there's no lower, and therefore. There is an equal chance that I should should win, and uh, we shall see that there was logic to this. And yet, Hashem still chooses the Jewish people because, as we'll see, the essence of Hashem is bound up with the essence of the Jewish people, and therefore, He says, "I love Yaakov." Yes, logic can say one thing, and desire can say another thing, but the Abishter and Eden are 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 connected in their very core, and therefore. Hashem throws away the logic and throws away the desire and throws away whatever whatever Haman was trying to conjure up. And he says, I love you. Okay, that's what we'll stop for today. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Wonderful Shabbos, David. Wonderful Shabbos, Beryl.